Amen. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you all here this morning. Wonderful worship service and time of uh, worshiping God and being here together. And it's such a blessing uh, that we have to be able to assemble together, to see one another, encourage each other, and grow spiritually and worship our God. We're going to finish out James's letter to these Christians scattered uh, because of persecution, these new Christians scattered throughout their area uh, as they had to leave Jerusalem because of persecution. And uh, we're going to look at faithful prayer this morning and the importance of prayer. So turn with me to chapter 5 of James and let's look at verses 13 through 16. James writes, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, the, of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We can all relate to the situations that James opens up with here, right? We've all had uh, something we've gone through, some kind of trial or suffering or struggle, some kind of problem we've dealt with. And that's what he's talking about when he says, uh, uh, is any one of you suffering or afflicted or is anyone in trouble? Are you dealing with some trouble in life? And what does he tell us to do? To pray about that. And we can all relate to uh, that good news, that thing that you're happy about, that blessing from God. And he says, is anyone uh, cheerful? Let him sing praise to God. Here's what we should do with that good news when God has blessed us, when we're looking at the good things in our life, when we're counting our blessings, we should sing praise to God. We've all been there. And we've also all been there where we've been sick or we've had somebody close to us who's been sick. Maybe it wasn't real bad. Maybe it was very bad. And Paul, uh, James writes to us and he says, Is anyone sick? You know what you need to be doing? You need to be praying. And so he, he returns to the subject of prayer that he started with at the beginning of this letter. And he's saying that what you need to be about is prayer. Because Christians are supposed to be people of prayer. We're supposed to be praying to God our Father about all things. There's never a time when it's not appropriate to pray. And when things are going good and when things are not going good, we can always praise God for all His blessings and all His love and all his care. So prayer and praise are always appropriate for the Christian at all times. Times might be good and they might be bad, but they're always appropriate. It's always appropriate to pray and to praise God. So look at verses 14 through 15 though, because they give us some trouble here. These are there's some things within these verses and verse 16 too that that are just more difficult, and I, I, this is a shorter passage than some of the longer ones we've done in this book as we've worked through this series, but this one gave me a lot of trouble because it makes us come to terms with some, some things about prayer that are uncomfortable, that leave us sometimes feeling hang, like we're hanging and feeling unsure and wondering about what God is up to. 
Look at verses 14 through 15. They're not necessarily easy to understand, but here's the thing. We need to make sure that we don't miss the point that James is making by being di- dis- getting distracted by some of the challenging things in there. Because what he's saying is that there's power in prayer. That's what he wants us to understand. Uh, even though there might be some things that are debatable within the passage, prayer is powerful. And, and, and children of God, Christians, are people of prayer. That's what he wants us to to understand. No matter what our situation in life is, we can always praise God and we can always pray to God. So first we see in these two verses that elders are important. God uh, put elders in his local congregations to shepherd, to pastor, to, to, to feed the flock, to care for, to tend to the flock in that local congregation. And they're important because the Hebrew writer said they they watch for our souls. That when when we're sick, we ought to call for them. Elders ought to be people that visit those who are sick, who are troubled, who are in need. Elders pray for and care for and watch over those among their flock. That's what they do. They tend to their sheep. They're attentive to them, to their needs. They care about what's going on in their lives. Now, some... Some commentators will say that James is referring to a more uh, extreme sickness where they might be about to die and the elders, and that, that's why the elders would come out to see them. And, and some of this we just don't know. We just don't know exactly everything that James meant, meant uh, whether it be local to their context at that time or applicable to our time here. But regardless of that, we see the value and the importance of shepherds in the local church at any time to pray for their people. And so we need to be people of prayer. Elders need to be people of prayer, certainly. Now, we also uh, we see disagreement uh, among scholars among, and commentaries about what the oil is for. So we, we've, we've seen that elders are called out, shepherds are called out to pray. Now these are also men who because of their, their, their devotion to God, their, their service in the church, their leadership, that these men have knowledge, they have, uh, they have the ability to guide, they have the ability to help in times of need. And, and so certainly we want elders involved when there's trouble in our lives of whatever kind that might be. And then we also see that there was this use of oil that they used uh, to pray for in the, in the prayer of this sick person. And so the debate is, was this oil uh, used medicinally? Was it used like a medicine uh, in this particular context? Or was it used symbolically as they prayed uh, over the person? And, and, and I don't think that there's a problem with either side. In fact, where I land on that is I think it's a little bit of both. Because we see that in Scripture. And they didn't have the advanced medicine that we have today. And so let's look at a few examples of that. We see oil being used in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10 verse 34. When the Good Samaritan found the man who had been beaten and left for dead, when he found him, what does the Bible say that he did? Verse 34, he bound up his wounds pouring pouring on oil and wine. Why? To try to soothe the wounds that this man had. That's all he had. He he didn't have anything else. And and he didn't have morphine. He didn't have any kind of powerful drug. He he couldn't sew him up. 
He tried to give him something to help him take care of him until he could get him into town where maybe, maybe there was a doctor there that could help tend to him. And then we see also oil being used symbolically when Jesus sent out the 12 apostles in the Bible in Mark 6, 13. And he says, and Mark tells us, they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So we see it used symbolically there, and then we see it used medicinally in the parable of the Good Samaritan. So which is James referring to? We don't know exactly what was in his mind and how they used that in their uh, culture and their time right then. I just kind of think it was probably a little bit of both. But if it was this one, then that's fine. If it was this one, that's fine. It's nothing to be dogmatic about. And that doesn't mean that we uh, are commanded to use oil today. But I do know a couple, an older couple, uh, a very faithful couple at Oldham Lane. Uh, there was a time when uh, someone in their family was very sick and they requested the elders pray over them and anoint them with oil. It wasn't anything strange. It wasn't anything weird or, or unbiblical. That, in their faith, that's what they wanted to do because that's what they read in Scripture when there was an illness. And the elders uh, uh, lovingly obliged and did that. So uh, what we see, though, is... Some, some scholars believe that because Jesus gave the apostles a miraculous ability to heal and then, and then others also could heal, the apostles could impart that, uh, that, that ability, that some say that perhaps some of those elders that James was writing to had that ability, that gift to heal imparted to them and therefore that's why he was talking about the oil and the elders coming because we see kind of this certainty it seems like in the way that James writes that they'll be healed and so some say that it's because they actually had some had that ability that miraculous ability to heal and most others though and I think this is the case in my mind uh, don't believe and don't uh, see that James signifies in any way that there's nothing to indicate in the text that these elders did have some kind of miraculous power. However, miracles were done uh, up until the New Testament was completed. So again, we just don't have all the answers we might like to have. But again, we can't let that distract us from the point James is making, that prayer matters and that we need to be people of prayer. That's what he's trying to convey. If something was local and cultural for that time, so be it. And, 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 if so, and, if, and if oil is, is somehow helpful or, or a symbolic today, then I don't see that that's a problem. But I don't see that emphasized in Scripture. The emphasis is on the prayer. So look at verse number 15. We also see that while the oil perhaps may have had a soothing effect. You know, we, people use oils today. Maybe there was some sort of soothing effect in the feel of it, in the scent of it. Uh, it was olive oil that they used. Uh, oil was used in the anointing of priests and prophets and kings in the Old Testament. So again, we just don't have all the information we'd like to have. But James, notice what he does emphasize, is that this was done in the name 
of the Lord. And so what's he saying when he says this was done in the name of the Lord? He's saying this is done with all acknowledgement to God, that this is all about God, that God is the one that has the power to heal. It's not even in our prayers of faith, our prayers of great faith, as we'll see talked about in a moment. It's not in, in an oil or any kind of uh, anything like that that we do. The power is in God to heal. And God is the, is the, the all-loving, all-powerful, almighty, sovereign creator. And he's the one we're praying to and pleading with and going to with all of our, our, our concerns. And so the power is in God and God alone. So verse 15 says uh, two things that can throw us off. First, James says that prayers will save the one who, will, who is sick. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, save him from his sickness. But what that word save also means is heal in that text right there, in that context. And so that he will be healed and then raised up. And so James is not right there talking about uh, saved from sin or saved from being eternally lost but saved in the, t in the sense of being healed from their illness. He was saved from his illness and raised up, not at the resurrection, but raised up, in other words, he's not sick anymore, he can get up out of bed. That's what James is talking about there in verse 15, that he will be healed and raised up. But James says it with this certainty that it does make us feel like well, so are you saying that if I pray, uh, the person or I will be healed without a doubt and will be, will be up and, and healed and all better just by praying? Because James kind of talks like that. He makes it sound like that. Remember, James is all about action. He packs all this stuff in five chapters, and it's just all about getting to... It's like if you took a whole action movie and cut out all the dialogue and all the slow parts and, the, and, and everything else, and all you had was the fight scenes and the chase scenes. That's James. All you get is the action in the movie. And so James is all about uh, emphasizing to us the importance of prayer. So what he's saying, though, is that he's introducing this, he's, he's introducing also here sin in the person's life that we see here in verse number 15. See, this challenges our faith because we hear James say that and then we pray about things in our lives and we know that sometimes prayers aren't answered in the way that we would like for them to be. We know that tragedy happens. We know that difficulties happen. And so we're reading this and we're challenged with, okay, but I want to have faith in God and I see what James says and I'm trying to reconcile that with real life. There, James also introduces this sin in a person's life here in this verse. And, he's, and, and so there are times in people's lives where the sin in their lives brings about the sickness in their lives, in their physical bodies, right? Because of the way they've lived, because of the way they've taken care of themselves, the choices they've made, now they're paying for it later on in life. That's the story of the first funeral I ever did. There was an older lady, and if you saw her, you would think, oh, what a sweet old lady. She had the 
little fixed hair. It was curly. It was gray. She was sweet looking like all older ladies are. And you just thought she was wonderful, sweet grandma. And you could go to her house and there'd be fresh baked cookies and it'd just be perfect. But when I met her, she was in a hospital bed. And she was, the fam- she was a family member of some of our members at Oldham Lane. And she had called, Brother Larry probably remembers this, she had called the elders uh, to come see her and pray for her because she knew she wasn't doing well in her health. And so the elders went, and I, I went along with them, and uh, they talked to her, listened to her, prayed for her, because we had been told that she was interested in getting her life right with God because we found out she wasn't sweet old grandma, sweet old. She had lived a wild life. I mean, you would, you would have never guessed this. If you were picking somebody in a crowd lived a wild life, you'd have never picked her. She lived a wild life from what her family told us. And yet she was, she was suffering at this time at her last days and saying at that moment at least that she wanted to get right with God. The elders came. The elders visited with her and prayed for her. And, and I went back uh, another couple of times and, and ended up doing her funeral. And I, I, I think it was enough for her. She felt like it was enough for her to have the elders come see her. And she was good after that. But we couldn't get her to understand that, no, you've got to obey the gospel. And do you want to do that? Do you want to study the Bible? Do you want to hear about the good news of Jesus? And and she wasn't interested for very long. For just that moment when the elders were there, and then I think that in her mind was enough for her. Well, I did that funeral, and we see what sin and wild living and, and, of course, getting older does And all of a sudden, time was up. James does tell us that the godly person's prayer is effective. He tells us that that prayer works, that 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 faithful person who's working at prayer, that that it works. And he wants us to understand that prayer works. And we prayed for her, though. We wanted her to be healed. And most importantly, we wanted her to be saved. But she had to do some things herself as well, didn't she? You have to want this yourself. So James tells us that prayer should be a natural part of our lives and that there's power in prayer and we need to take prayer seriously. And that's the way we all need to be. We need to take prayer seriously in our lives. You see, because we can pray for uh, physical healing, we can pray for uh, someone's recovery, we can pray for a situation to be resolved in the way that we would like, and sometimes that doesn't happen. And we wonder why and our faith is challenged, but here's what we need to understand. Even, in, even though James doesn't uh, uh, give us as long of answers as we might like, what we need to understand is that God is more interested in eternal life than our temporary physical health. And, and that, that's even hard to say because we hear different messages on TV and in books and, and they'll tell you just if you name it and claim it, then it's yours. And if you believe it, you can achieve it. And then we look around and we realize, well, the only one profiting from this is the guy saying it. 
but, but God is interested most importantly in our eternal lives. We may not get the physical answer that we want, or we may not get it when we want it or how we want it, but we've got to remember that what he's interested in is our eternal life because to him, remember James says, what is your life? It's a vapor. It's a vapor. What is important is our eternal life. At the beginning of verse number 15, uh, the way James says, and the prayer of faith will makes it seem like God will just let us do anything. But the promise of healing for sick does, however, challenge us. For those of us who have trouble praying bold prayers, it challenges us because If we're honest, maybe we're afraid to pray big, bold prayers about healing. Maybe we're afraid to pray the big, bold prayers for God to work powerfully because we're afraid, what if he doesn't? What if my prayer isn't answered? And then what does that mean about my faith? And what does that tell me about God? Because we don't know what to do with that. Instead of our faith getting bigger, we shrink back in our prayers and we just pray for little things. And maybe what we ought to be doing is what James is saying is, no, pray for big things. Pray big, bold, powerful prayers that God Almighty will do big, powerful things in our lives, knowing that we cannot pray a prayer. There's no magic formula that we say we can say, read the script, and that uh, uh, demands him to answer in the way that we say, read the script, say the prayer. That's not the way God works. But we can offer up our prayers, all of our uh, uh, struggles, all of our trials, all of our joys, all of our worries, all of our doubts, all of our pain, and all of that to a God who's big enough to hear it all and knows how to answer our prayers. we got to pray big, bold prayers. We have to remember that God chooses how and when He heals and that complete healing really never comes in this life. And, and that's, that challenges our faith, that, that God chooses when and how He heals. And for someone over here, it's their prayers answered the way they asked it. And it's someone over here, it's not. And, and that's tough for us. We, we, we struggle with that. We don't know what to do with that often. Look at what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. He wrote, so to keep me from becoming conceited, he, there's some context above that, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Verse number 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In verse 10, he says, for when I am weak, I am strong. See, Paul didn't get his prayer answered the way he wanted it to be answered. And he didn't let that uh, uh, cause him to walk away from his faith, to lose faith in God. Instead, he saw what that did for his faith. He saw that now I've got to depend on God all the more. And I appreciate the prayers that have been prayed this morning in the class. I, I think it's all kind of connected together to help us see this big picture of faith in God and big, bold prayers and to God. 
And so in Paul's weakness, in his, in his hurt, in his deficiency, he realized God is more able to be magnified in my life because of that. We have to remember that ultimately God is more interested, as I said, in eternal li- our eternal lives than he is in our physical health. That's hard for us because it really leaves us with two options. You can either lay down your faith and say, okay, this doesn't work. This doesn't work like I read it here, like I think I read it here. So I'm going to lay it down, I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to leave my faith behind because, and believe that God is not almighty and all-loving. That's one option. That's one choice that you have. Or you can do what I think James is getting us, trying to get us to do to increase our faith, to increase our trust, to have bigger, bolder faith in God, to have a greater comprehension of God. Maybe our comprehension of God is too small. Maybe we're trying to fit God in this little box that totally makes sense, that we control, that we dictate. And maybe God, we need to realize, doesn't fit in a box. And he doesn't, he doesn't operate by our terms and our limited ability to comprehend. That he's God Almighty, infinite, sovereign, creator God. And maybe my trust, my, my faith needs to get uh, much bigger so that I can put my trust in him. And even when I don't understand uh, what's going on at all. You see where this takes us though? This takes us to the edge of our faith. It takes us to uh, the point where we have to say, I don't understand God. I I don't have the answers, God. I don't know what to do, God. All I have is faith in you. And all you have then is to trust Him because you don't know anything else. You have nothing else to trust and all you can do is trust Him and trust that Somehow, some way, God does understand that God still sits on His throne, that God still loves you, that God is still walking with you, and that you tr- can trust in when you have no control. You can trust in God Almighty who has all control even when you don't understand it. Does that make sense? That is the highest point, I believe, of faith. Because I have no resources to use myself. I have no strategy, no plan. I have nothing except trust in God. And all I can do is pray to Him because that's why He gave us prayer. Talk to me, He says. Come bring me everything. Bring it to me and let me help you. When you have no human answers, you go to God And trust His answers, even when you don't understand. And somewhere in our prayers, we also have to find a balance between never expecting God to heal. In other words, we never think He's going to actually do anything. Therefore, our prayers are really meaningless, aren't they? We have to find a balance between, I don't think He'll actually do anything. And that's a small prayer. That's small faith. And I hope that's not how we pray. And I got to check myself. Is that how I pray? I, I pray, but I don't, re- I don't really think he's going to do anything. I don't expect him to do anything. Or the, the other extreme of, of that is I say it, he does it, right? I just get to say what I want and, and 
He stands ready like a butler to do what I say, to do what I ask, and give me what I, that vending machine in the sky, right? We have to realize that it's somewhere in between that, that he doesn't always answer the way I'd like for him to. And I don't always understand why or what's going on. But at the same time, he does answer prayers. And I do need to pray big, bold, powerful prayers. Bigger than what I've been doing. Because he does answer. But I can't expect him for me to snap and offer my prayer up. And he's here with a white towel over his arm to to serve me in the way that I want. Because that's not how he works. He cannot be mandated or controlled or obligated by Human, uh, human wishes and prayers and all of that. God is God. And that's where we are, find ourselves at the, at the edge of trust and, and faith at the highest point when we just say, you're God, I've got to let you be God. And here's everything I need to say to you. And trust in Him. See, in the Gospels we see that sometimes Jesus healed everyone that was brought to Him. Matthew 4.24 And then like in John chapter 5, we see that there was times when Jesus only healed one person around him. We just don't have all the answers like we'd like to have. We like having all the answers. We feel insecure and unstable and unsure when we don't have all the answers and all the plans and all the calculations in front of us. We don't have the manuals and and all the schematics in front of us. We start doubting. Instead, we need to say, I need to trust in God. I need to put my trust in God. Verse 16, James encourages us to confess to one another. And this could be whether we're gathered, when we're gathered together or maybe it's at another time with somebody you're close to at, at a, with somebody else at a different time where we're confessing. We have the kind of relationships we can share with one another, confess and pray for one another. What do you do when somebody confesses? The Bible doesn't say you belittle them, you shun them, you you kick them out. The Bible says you pray for them. That's what you do when someone confesses. When someone's vulnerable enough to confess, we have to be spiritual enough to pray, to love them, to pray for them, to take them in. And verses 16 through 18, as we're starting to wrap up, verses 16 through 18, James goes and grabs this illustration from Elijah from the Old Testament. And he uses that as an example of prayer. And it seems really odd. And you know why I think it seems odd? Because it's such a big, bold, powerful prayer. And we're like, wait a second, we're just praying for rain over here. You know, rain for the ground. And Elijah's over here praying for rain. Actually, first he prays that it won't rain. And then it doesn't rain. Then he prays for it to rain again, and it does rain. And you know why? He's praying about the weather because he wants Israel to repent and turn back to God because they've been unfaithful to God. He's praying for their, them to return to God. That's what his prayer is about. How big and bold are our prayers? Our prayers ought to be that we're reaching all of Bullard. This whole area with the gospel that, that, that everyone who moves to this area knows about the Bullard Church of Christ. That people in our workplaces, people in our neighborhoods know about the Bullard Church of Christ. And, and not, just, hey, not just about us and where we are, but hey, let me talk to you. Come, come with me. Come to my house. Those kinds of things. 
those big prayers that we can share our faith, that you personally, you can share your faith with somebody. You need to pray a prayer that God help me to share my faith with somebody, to bring somebody to Christ. So God did miracles back then in ways that he doesn't work, operate in that way now with the completion of the New Testament. But back in Elijah's day, in the Old Testament, even the early New, in the New Testament days, he's, he did. And that's what we see demonstrated. But what's interesting is that James says, Elijah was like you and me. See, Elijah wasn't, didn't have any superpowers. He had super faith. That's what he had. And that's why James tells us about it. Because he's saying, look at Elijah. He was a regular guy. He was just a person like you and me. And look what God did through him. Aside from the fact of the miracle, that's different. And James makes that clear. Don't don't lose track. Don't, Don't get off track thinking about the miracle. It's about the faith that he had to pray a big prayer to God. That's what James wants us to understand. So the question for us is, what kind of prayers do you pray? What kind of prayers do you pray? What have you been praying for? And are they big enough? Did you give up because you didn't get the answer you wanted? Did, did, you, did you dial it back because you think, oh, that's, that's too big. I can't, I can't. And, and, and other passages talk about, Earlier in James, praying for our selfish ambition. That's not what we're talking about. We're praying for God's will. That's what we see in Elijah. We're praying for God's will to be accomplished in people's lives. And certainly for healing, uh, physical healing and all that. But are we praying big, bold prayers? At the Bullard Church of Christ, we need to pray big, bold prayers. Not little, rinky-dink prayers. God has put us here to do this work and been here since what? Is it 1948, I believe, 49, right in the late 40s that this congregation has been here? We've got big, bold work to do. We need to be praying to our almighty God to help us do it. What if God is sitting around waiting for us to pray bigger prayers, individually and as a church? What if he's waiting for us to have a bigger, bolder faith in him. Look at verses 19 and 20 as we close. Brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whatever that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's another thing that's within God's will, isn't it? That those who have wandered away will return. Those are the kinds of things we need to be about. Uh, God's people, Christians, have got to be about big prayers for Him. We've got to be about praying for others and, and, and caring for others. And we've got to be about helping those who have wandered off, who've, who've drifted off in their faith to return, and certainly to reach lost souls, those who never obeyed the gospel. What are your prayers like? Have you been praying in that way? Do you need to be restored yourself? Do you need to... Confess in some way to us this morning, to God this morning, so we can pray for you, with you. Maybe you're ready to put on Christ in baptism, obey the gospel, and live that new life in Christ. Be raised out of the baptismal waters to walk in that newness of life. A Christian, forgiven of sins and being being given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Whatever your need is, we're here for you this morning. Come as we stand and sing.